Hey, and welcome to the Motherhood Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Lockwood. And if you ever look around your house and wonder where the heck did all this stuff come from and how am I ever going to get it out, you are in the right place. I'm a mom of five who decluttered her home back in 2013 when my family and I decided to move from Alaska to Florida with one suitcase each. And I do not recommend it. What I do recommend is learning how to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist which means learning to find the balance of what your family needs and wants without it being so much that it overwhelms you on a daily basis. So if that sounds good to you, you are going to love this podcast. Let's dive into the episode. If you have been trying to declutter your house, and not been as successful as you like, I am willing to bet that I can help you figure out exactly why. There are a lot of reasons that moms feel like they can't declutter, declutter, whether it's their kids or their spouse or the time or the energy or just simply not knowing what to do, where to take things, how to donate, right? How to do it mindfully, how to not be wasteful. Uh, Plus you're worried about like, what if I need it? You know, I wasted so much money on this. What if I need it again and I can't get it? There is so much that goes into decluttering as a mom. And I promise that if you have thought it or felt it, I have heard it before or experienced it myself. And that is exactly why I created this training called how to create your mom proof decluttering plan. And I've done a lot of decluttering checklists, challenges, courses, programs in the past, and they work. And this training really is the framework for every single thing that moms need to consider when it comes to decluttering their home. It's the plan. We're actually going to build your plan together. It's following through with your plan and it's including your family and even learning how to make this process as enjoyable as possible. Because most people feel like The task is daunting or just another thing on their to-do list, and I don't want it to feel like that for you. So this free training, how to create your mom-proof decluttering plan, you can go to motherhoodsimplified.com forward slash DIY to get it, or you can just check the show notes of this episode and you will find it. Come get it. I know there is so much information about there. A lot of it is much the same. Five steps to declutter your house, you know? Here's the checklist to declutter this area of your house, but none of them really show you the full scope of what goes into doing this start to finish. And that's exactly what's in this training. So go check it out, motherhoodsimplified.com forward slash DIY, or check the description of this episode to go get it today. Welcome to the Motherhood Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Lockwood, and on the surface, I teach you how to declutter your home so you can focus on what matters most to you as a mom, which I'm guessing isn't those laundry mountains, dishes stacked to the sky, and the tornadoes you clean up all day. My hope for this podcast is so much more than teaching you to declutter. I record all of my episodes live and in real time so that you can have the experience of a mom friend who gets you and is there for you. My audio isn't perfect, my kids might interrupt us, but the conversations we have are real, impactful, and proof that there are other moms like you that decluttering has worked for. If you want to join me and thousands of other moms for live episodes, go find us on Instagram and Facebook. 
Just search Motherhood Simplified and we'll welcome you with open arms. See you soon. Okay, everybody. Welcome to today's episode with Rayleigh Lightheart. Her nickname, which I love, is the Ray of Truth. She has a podcast that she co-hosts called Blast Off with Johnny Rocket. I love listening to it when, honestly, when I need a break. Like, <laughs> when I need a break from, like, mom life and kids, it's super entertaining. It's super insightful. Um, it's, they have great editing. I was kind of impressed because I tell you guys, like, I don't edit my podcast because I don't really know how. She's great at it. Whoever does their Actually, show. that's that's Johnny and Ben Weigold. Uh, he's our editor, but it was always Johnny before. So it's a specific brand and, and uh, they work really hard at that. So I'm glad yeah. you noticed. He's going to be so excited that you said that. I did. The other one, like I, I was telling her before we started recording, I felt like I was blasting off. <laughs> And like on this rescue mission, <laughs> it was super fun. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited to hear from her. But yeah, really, and just tell us a little about about you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, um, uh, yeah, I've been a mom since um, 18 and 19. I was pregnant at 18 and married at, at really young, and. Um, I have five kids now. My oldest is 21, okay. and my youngest is five. And it is, we, we have two boys, three girls. It's super fun. Um, I started getting, um, I'm, I'm a super social person, but uh, we started podcasting because I'm kind of into uh, moral and peaceful anarchy. So um, it, became, it became a philosophy um, on every part of my life, but especially spiritually and with parenting and my relationships. And so that's really my jam right now. Um, yes. Yeah. That is, that's, you're, you're reminding me because I was like, I can't remember what she said that like made me drawn to you, but you said I've got anarchy in my heart. And I tell people in, in the community all the time, like, I'm kind of joking, but not really that I'm an anarchist at heart. Like, I think that's how people thrive. And that's mm -hmm. what drew me to you. <laughs> yes. It's it. so consent based. Everything um, is about uh, do unto others as you would have done to yourself but it's it's with real principles of understanding those values it's don't hurt people don't take their stuff consent is in everything including in the negotiations of your relationships so it's all about nonviolent communication which is a huge thing that everybody should learn i'm still learning it i'm still working on it on myself because i'm very direct and so i'm trying to <clears throat> use language that brings people into a conversation um where we can all get agreement with each other and what we're going to relate, how we're going to relate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And nonviolent communication is, is a, there's a book called that, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. Super good. Okay. So how did you kind of fall into it and how do you apply that in your parenting? Um, well, I kind of became a libertarian um, years ago. Uh, I was a terrible libertarian, to be honest. I was very still biased and, and had to really shed my statism. And when I realized that the state, um, uh, uh, non-consensual government is very cultish, it, it almost is like a false idolatry in some ways. And um, I, I don't, I'm all about finding what works for everybody, but 
it should be, everybody should have that opportunity. Everybody should be, as long as they're not hurting anybody, able to do whatever they want to, as long as they're not hurting people. And, and we can all have really great ideas, but uh, a great idea doesn't require force. Um, if it's a great idea, other people will agree to it. So we just have to figure out a way to do that. And, and, uh, and then I kind of got involved in the political world and I have to say, I hate politics. So um, I, I love the philosophy and I love the people and I love everyone out there fighting in their own ways for freedom for all of us, for themselves and, and but for others too. So, and it, it, freedom is for everyone. So, and, and then once I started applying those concepts to my spirituality, I realized that they go hand in hand um, and that the message is about loving one another and <clears throat> that for me, there is no king but Christ. And so that, that's just personal for me. But the, the values apply for everybody, even if they don't specifically aren't called to uh, something that they would call think or as religious. Mm -hmm. um, but then even those, that's when I really understood that I need to raise my children to respect these values and, and understand them and give them as much freedom and body autonomy as possible. And uh, that's the journey that we're on right now. It's lit. It's lit. <laughs> I was hoping you would say that at some point. <laughs> yeah. It's lit. Um, okay. I love that. And I think that's a really, it's a really good, I think, reminder for especially the moms who are listening in because it's, it's election year, everybody. Mm -hmm. And I try to do my best to tell you guys, like, it doesn't matter what you're, what you, what you're watching on social media. It doesn't matter what anybody mm -hmm. else is doing or not doing. You can have your own values and beliefs and opinions and not be affected by whatever anybody else is doing at all. This is yes. something I tell them all the time. Yes. And, and remember that it's not a team sport, um, <laughs> that, that you have to kind of look at, uh, look for hypocrisies in a, a stated value. If there's a stated value, look to see if um, whoever you're supporting or whatever your, that values are not um, arbitrary. That if it's a value and it's a consistent principle and it should be held consistently. Mm -hmm. So uh, if I don't, I don't, um, I don't believe in stealing. And so nothing moral can come from theft. And I don't believe in hurting people for the greater good. You don't initiate aggression. Um, you only use aggression in self-defense. And when you think about that principle and, and it, it can, can apply consistently. And so yeah. that's, it's all about uh, not only follow your heart, but sometimes you have to lead your heart and, and, and question why you think things. Yeah. It's exciting. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that too. And I love that you kind of started on the big picture and worked it way down into your homes. Cause that's another thing. I think it, like you said, values and principles are consistent across the board. It's not just for the politicians to be held to. You can hold right. yourself to those exact same ones yep. at home. Yep. Yep. Accountability is, is a beautiful thing. And so many of us have, okay, first of all, everybody has run from, from accountability on some level. Even when you admit that you did something, sometimes you feel like you were justified. Yeah. And one of the greatest lessons that I've learned is that when I have done something to hurt somebody, even if I felt like it was justified, and it was the only choice that I saw for myself. And it could just be like calling someone a name or being mean to somebody. I mean, we're talking micro macro. Yeah. Um, later, when I realized that there was a different way to do that, 
there was a better way to do that. And, and that accountability helps inspire the change. And there is no shame in solving the problem. Everybody is ma makes mistakes. So the moment you know better and do better, you're a winner. You're amazing. Every single time you make a good choice, you win. And just remember that. Don't get caught up in the shame cycle. Just, just be excited about when you have a, re a resonance of, oh, I can do this. I know what the right thing to do is. And that feels good. Just keep doing that. It, and every time you fall off the wagon and make a mistake or yell at your kids or say something, you know, snarky to your husband or, I mean, anything like that, you can take it back and fix it and not do it again. It's that easy. Yes, it is that easy. Okay. So one of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about, um, is the Enneagram and everything you're saying right now is like true to your Enneagram. And the reason that I'm super excited to talk to you about it is because I know there are, there's a whole lot of misconceptions about the Enneagram. There's a whole lot of people who are like, only listen to the professionals. But to be honest, why? <laughs> I know exactly. I think it's like the anarchy thing. Like, why do I need a certification to, to believe you? <laughs> uh, honestly, um, I could be certified right now. I already know. Boink, done. Yeah, exactly. All you have to do is pay. But um, <laughs> the one of the most beneficial ways that I've used the Enneagram is like meeting people like yourself and getting in like the Enneagram groups and just diving into it and figuring out what exactly it means to me and and how I can apply it in my life. So tell us a little bit about, I guess, your Enneagram experience and how you apply it in your life. Oh, I was, I do everything in layers um, at what I can handle and where I'm at and where, and when it stopped serving me at the time, then I would move on and do something different. And I came back to Enneagram. So the first time somebody told me I was doing Myers-Briggs, which was exciting because it's fun. And when you start learning about the stacks, it's very complex. And I really like to dig into, to learning about things. But what was really great is that when I, the tests online did not type me. I had, I did three different tests and none of them said I was an eight, which is what I am. And so I read the wisdom of, of the Enneagram. I was not every page, but I was going through all the types trying to type myself. And I, I couldn't get it on the third time through. I was just a lot like all of them. I'm like, I'm like all of them. I'm all of these people. Well, I am all these people and we're supposed to be all these people. And uh, it's not a box. It's a, um, a, a map. Wouldn't there. you say? Yeah, that's really good. So it's a map and, and you, it's not judged on just the behaviors. It's about the core motivations and your child heart. And so when I was really going through it the third time, I read eight, something clicked and I really, really I was reading it more in depth. And I, oh, the, the amount of, at first I was, I felt shame and embarrassment because you're reading the worst stuff. I mean, the <laughs> worst parts, I mean, which are exaggerated versions of who I am anyway. I've never done most of those things, but I felt it. I, I it, it convicted my heart. I, I was so, I felt vulnerable. I didn't want anyone to know. I didn't want anyone to read my number because I didn't want them to think that about me. I mean, that's, that's the depth of how much it hit me. Yeah. And then I felt this oh, relief to be seen and realize that I'm normal, I'm okay, and that I can be the best version of, the, I don't have to have these behaviors, I can be my best version, and that's what I'm already doing anyway, so then it's exciting, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's exactly what happened too. I, I, all the tests I had, and I just kind of accepted it at face value for what it was when, because I got typed as a three. And that's right. 
And then every time I'd read about it, I'm like, this isn't like, this doesn't make sense to me. Like, I don't really fully agree with this. And then I do, you know, I relate to sevens. Maybe I'm a whatever. And then when you find yours, it does kind of rock your socks and you're kind of like, <laughs> yeah, it can't be right. And if you feel like that, it's right. Right. Cause they do, they shine a light on, on the dark sides of you. Your most vulnerable <laughs> things that you don't even want to admit to yourself. That's yeah. what it feels like. Yeah. You're right. Like I, I, I typed my husband immediately. You're not supposed to type other people, but I did. Yeah. And I, I had him read through. And I'm like, is this you? And um, <laughs> it was all, he was, and it's layers and layers. Every time I read it to him, he's feeling it differently, seeing it differently, hearing new things about it. And um, it really helped me relate to him also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That was one of the things that I want to talk to you about too, is like, it does help you in your, you can't really relate to anybody else fully until you can relate and understand yourself. Word. And so, yeah. How's it helped you with your, your marriage? Well, uh, hugely. So first the, the part where understanding myself, it was very validating to see, um, truth and justice. And also there's like a code of ethics that eights have. We, we have a code. Now they talk about how eights can have a very subjective code, um, of which kind of works <laughs> out to whatever they want. Right. Um, I'm a little more principled, usually, but then I really got to investigate where I was being subjective, where I was kind of like, I felt justified in how I was acting because I was right. Um, uh, you know, and part of, part of communication with other people and having these really deep relationships with others is choosing to focus on making things their, their very best instead of focusing on being right. That's a huge one for conflict resolution, wouldn't you say? Yes. Yep. It's Mm -hmm. huge. And it's, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Being right doesn't mean that I get to be a jerk. So, um, right. And it's really, it's, I, I look guys, I love talking to Raylene. Like I said, we're in some Enneagram groups together, but uh um, she's the same type as my husband. So it's kind of nice sometimes to get a peek inside of her motivations because my husband also, like she said, has his own code. And it's a good code. I'm not going to say that, you know, it's wrong or he's, <laughs> it's yeah. an issue, but he does. He has, and he says he's had it since he was like a kid of like his own, this is just how I am. This is just how I do things. And he lives in alignment with it all of the time. And I love it so much because I know what to expect. Delicious, right? Yeah. I want consistency from other people. That's one of the things where I was not able to see why other people were doing things. I was like, well, tough luck be consistent, do what you're supposed to do. Like I stop being erratic, like you're, cause uh, not being rooted in reality um, and having a shared reality with other people really freaks me out. It makes me feel very out of control. Um, I shy away from people who live in a different reality than me because they feel dangerous. Um, you know, you know, where anybody can accuse you of anything and that's not true or, or yeah. just it's scary, that feeling. And there's a, you know, the further you go into self-learning and learning about uh, doing ego work and and, um, getting to the root of your feelings and pain bodies, fear is at the bottom of everybody's um, motivations. There are, a a lot of us don't folk, don't think we're afraid. Um, I never realized that I was a, a person who was afraid because I don't feel fear like other people feel fear. It's not something very tangible to me. But the feelings I was feeling, which is um, anger or resentment or um, frustration, all these feelings I was having were directly rooted 
in fear. And I just didn't recognize it until I started doing the work. Um, yeah. You know, fear of abandonment, fear of not being able to trust somebody, fe- like fear of betrayal, fear of being out of control, fear of being um, uh, not loved, unworthy. I mean, we, uh, we all have those fears at the base of a lot of our behaviors. And yeah. it, it's exciting to figure that out because then you can kind of release it and realize that it's not real. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And I think it's kind of like you said too, like I've done my own healing and growth in layers through therapy. I saw you're doing EMDR. I've done that. Yeah. It yeah. was helpful. Um, and then I know I did it backwards. I did all this stuff and now I'm doing EMDR. <laughs> yeah. Just finish it off. It's fine. Um, yeah. It's, it's so helpful just to kind of understand yourself and have these tools that you can use in your motherhood Mm -hmm. and in your relationships and just kind of in your everyday life to feel okay. (laughs) Cause Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things that the reasons that I love the Enneagram is that it makes me feel okay with myself because I can understand it. I'm like, Oh, I'm actually giving yourself grace. Yes. Right. So, so when you realize that we were all made, (laughs) we're special. We, we, where, where we come from is where we're going to go, whatever that is for you. And the journey is the, the important part. We always get fixated on the past and then it's, and based on the past, we're afraid of the future or for the future. Then we get really thrown into these different timelines in our brain. And it's all about right now because the end and the beginning are the same. And, and we have to just revisit that and go, let's, what's happening right now. And how do we make this moment special? Because it is the most important. And this is what ensures a beautiful future. Wouldn't you say? I do. Yes, I do. I love that. I love it. And just kind of going on that, because we both have five five kids and they grow up really fast. (laughs) And obviously you can't have this kind of wisdom or understanding of yourself when I was 18 when I was pregnant with my first Mm -hmm. few, like you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it just helps to kind of give myself grace, but also give my kids grace of being like, okay, they're just, they're just a toddler or they're just an eight-year-old or they're just a 14 year olds and can kind of step back and enjoy it a little bit better. Yes. Okay. So that's the cool thing about the doing this work is that when you have grace for yourself, when you can find grace for yourself ever, real grace, like not like I'm absolution and not going to be accountable fully, but when you really kind of go, well, shoot, that's, that's all I knew how to do at this moment. And I'm not doing that now or whatever it is, you know, you give yourself that grace, then you're able to find grace for others around you. Yeah. That's where that empathy comes from. Mm-hmm. And what's, and it always works the other way too. Have you ever had empathy for somebody else, but you hold yourself way more accountable? Yes. Um, you got to yes. be consistent. So see yeah. where that consistent principle comes in is where um, I wasn't living to my code because I wasn't giving myself grace and the same empathy that I was giving others for their situations. And yeah. so that's been helping me heal also is kind of changing that voice um, in my own head, in my own heart, instead of that inner critic, which is what I was hearing as a child through my own perceiving, I have now changing that inner critic to a gentle guiding mother voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been really important for me. Uh, and that a lot of that has come with raising kids with the Enneagram and realizing I have a, I have a five son. He, he's seven yeah. years old. He's yeah. a five like his dad. And you know, it's been the most beautiful experience because I can give my husband more grace and understanding because I, I see the innocence of the way he does things. Yeah. Cause I see them in my seven year old. 
And then I can also go in and help my seven-year-old change his mind about certain things so that he doesn't have those same pain bodies that my husband has. So I can see it's like the timelines, you know, Yeah. um, making it work. Yeah. It is like, yeah, the timelines. And I like what you said too, about it kind of being a map. It's a, it's, it really is a map. I mean, first of all, if you just look at the the geometry of it, Mm -hmm. it's laid out like a map. You follow the directions of like integrations here and here. And, um, it's, it's just super freaking helpful. And so lots of people are asking on Facebook, what your favorite resources for the Enneagram are? Oh, um, okay. I, my favorite is, uh, Enneagram in love and work by Helen Palmer. I have that because of you. (laughs) Oh, okay. What did you think of that book? Um, I got like halfway through and to be honest, I didn't finish it because it was at the time where I was still thinking I was a three and I was like, this is crap. (laughs) Oh, 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 okay. Well, what I love about Helen Palmer is that she, I have so many books um, and they're all good and they all do different things. But this book, I love how kind she is to all the types. Um, We have a lot of intellectual type writers, authors that do Enneagram. And there is, I love the nitty gritty of the science. I, I love that, but it can, they can use words that are really harsh and have really negative connotations. And so people naturally kind of dis, they, they um, gloss over ideas because of the way it makes them feel. So Helen Palmer really has so much love and um, admiration for each type and the way that she writes about them. I feel like she uses her heart a lot. I, I really feel the empathy in the way she writes about people. Um, and they also have a really cool relationship thing in the back about um, what relationships can look like between numbers, which yeah. um, is pretty spot on, to be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that. I need to get back into it now that I'm a two, because I was like, I don't feel like this is right. And then I fell into kind of like, well, maybe I'll just learn about James and learn about his type. And then it kind of, you kind of lose the point. If you're trying, if you focus on the Enneagram and try to only figure out other people, I think you're going to miss the point of the Enneagram, but if you can use it to figure out yourself, then it's really fun to kind of explore together. That's what I've been doing with my husband is like, well, you're this type and I'm this type and this is how we work together. And this is how we see things differently. And Mm -hmm. it's so interesting because we really do like, we can look at the same situation and see it from a completely different lens. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Because of the Enneagram, my husband and I were able to, and it was a lot easier for me to agree to it, um, come to, we call them cues. So there's things that I didn't realize for years that I was um, so aggressive. I didn't even realize because I'm really nice. So um, most of the time, and I hate to say that, people that call themselves nice are always really annoying. So, um, but, but I'm just so nice. <laughs> yeah. Like people that call themselves nice. I'm like, no, you're not. Like nobody yeah. says that. Like, um, but it's so. <laughs> That's but really she is she's so kind and so like willing to help anybody <laughs> uh, okay so like I'm just trying to help like uh understand me so I, I I think that I'm just trying to get a situation handled I'm all about when there's a problem you got to fix it so if something's happening with my husband and we're talking and he doesn't want it he never wants to deal with it he just wants to say the thing to shut me up and make an end and I and I hate that I hate that and so I was really unforgiving in that space. I just was not giving him space in those moments because I didn't understand that he needs time to pull away, gather his thoughts and come back and talk. Um, but in the past, he also doesn't come back and confront it. 
right? Like that was something he had to work on. So one time he just said, you know, I think I need a minute to, when, when I feel like this, I feel overwhelmed and I feel like I have to have an answer right away. And it was, it was too much. And he'd always say the wrong thing. And that was why we were getting in arguments. Um, I was pushing and he would just say whatever. And then I would, then I would want him to argue about that. Right. I would just, it was annoying. So he says, okay, so I need space. When I ask for space, I need you to give it to me. And then I was able to understand because of the Enneagram five, that is like textbook five. And then I go, oh, oh yeah, of course you do. Okay. All right. Well, okay. So then I get his promise. I get his insurance. Like I get his reassurance. I said, I will give you space every time you ask for it, but you have to promise, promise, promise because of my fear that you're going to come back to me as soon as humanly possible for you to talk about it. Like, and, and we built that little trust bridge. So, um, and we put it into practice that he comes back and there's only been two times where he didn't, didn't do it like right away. And I was like, Hey, just throw it. I just remember we have a talk we're supposed to have, you know, like really softly now. And he, it's only two times in a year and a half. Yeah. And so he's, and he's like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. It's so helpful because James and I, we've had, we have this same agreement because he's an eight like you. And mm -hmm. he just, he literally didn't understand that when he put that pressure on me, I felt like I had to just say something and it wasn't, yes. it wasn't like, I just wanted to say something to get him to leave me alone. It was like, I'm going to say the words that I'm trying to process right now. And it's going to come out wrong. And, and they come out wrong. And then he wants to fight I'm, about why you said that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't mean it. And then because he's so focused on, on the truth, he's like, well, then why would you say it if you didn't mean it? And I'm like, because I was backed into a corner and I just said it. I didn't mean to. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, we don't even understand that as eights. Yeah. We know exactly what we think. Yeah. Um, it's more about how we say it. Like we know exactly what we think. We never say things that we don't think are true. What we say, it, we just say it rudely yeah. or cutting or um, that's, I've been working on that one for a long time is changing how I say things. That's very have an inside joke <laughs> where I'm like, I wish you would say that to my back. <laughs> like, I never will. <laughs> yeah. Never. Yeah. You won't. And I appreciate that a ton because um, I always know what to expect from him and he's never gonna, he's never gonna try and manipulate or lie or yeah. say anything he doesn't mean, even if it's on accident. Cause I really don't say things that I don't mean unless it's on, like, I'm like, I'm just yeah. putting my thoughts. Well, he does that too. And, and so I, it took me, we've been together for so long. I can't believe how long it took me to understand that. But I, I think that we were just trying to survive. Um, everybody that's not ready to do self-work, like the deep stuff, it's because they're just trying to survive and we understand it. I mean, a lot of people that are listening to this right now have kids. They have a house to keep clean. We have all these First of all, everybody out there that is home taking care of kids, whether they're homeschooling, unschooling, I call that homeschooling too, um, and, uh, and, or, or working and trying to t take care of this household. And you do this podcast about un decluttering and, and managing things. The reason why people are, are needing that is because there's so much pressure mm -hmm. uh, to be perfect. Mm -hmm. to be good enough to, and, and really what's tied to that, um, though, that fear of not having things be good enough is that people will judge and all these things. We, we really wrap ourselves up in what people will think. And ultimately it's because secretly we're fear that we are unworthy of love. We yeah. have picked up that message somewhere 
that if we don't perform or do these things that everybody should be able to do, everybody's able to do it. You know, that, that, well, it's not true, but, but um, we, we believe it and we have to challenge that belief. And uh, it is difficult not to identify with our, the, our home and how we raise our children and what we look like, our bodies look like, our jobs, what our yard looks like, what car we drive, how clean we keep the car we drive. I mean, um, we really shouldn't be identifying with those things because you guys are so much more than that. Yes. Oh my gosh, you're making every, like, they've all have like the cry face emojis. So I'm like, I'm Aww. worthy of love. Yes. See guys, I told you, really, she actually is nice. Oh. <laughs> I know I'm so worthy and every time I read because I hang on actually guys I'll get you they're all asking for the book I think I have it right here um yeah yeah um it, another thing that I want to suggest for people who are listening to what yes mine's a red hard cover we got it at Goodwill I can't yeah. believe we found that at Goodwill yeah um but Beatrice Chestnut is my favorite for the instinct portion of Enneagram. So once you type yourself and and find, however you guys figure out what type you are, um, when you start reading about the instincts of your number, definitely hit up Beatrice Chestnut um, because I had mistyped myself and my, or not my, just my instinct based on like wisdom of the Enneagram or, or or the sacred Enneagram, maybe um, one of those books. Then I just wanted to see what the counter type, I, this is recent. You were friends with me when this happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just was like, well, what's the counter type eight? What is that? So I, I, I Googled counter type eight and it came up and it's the social uh, instinct and it hit me spot on and it was never described as well to me. So I, I was like, no, I don't care about hanging out with people because I was hermiting because I was busy trying to keep my house clean and raise my children. And I just didn't have any time to hang out with anybody. So I didn't think I was that social, yeah. <laughs> which is crazy. Um, so the cool thing about the, being a counter type eight is it has kind of a dichotomy in your number when you're the counter type. So a one counter type will actually be very uh, in touch with their anger and uh, they will actually present a lot like an eight, an eight. So a counter type one or, um, and the counter type eight itself presents like a two. So Krista and I get along fabulously. We're like, yeah, we're like opposites, like mirrors almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And, um, somebody's like, remember when I called myself an introvert and I was like, uh, that's what she's saying on Facebook and I know her and I'm like, no, you are not an introvert. <laughs> Yeah, I know you. You're not. No, she's called. It's probably yeah. she was overwhelmed. Yeah, because yeah. that's what's going on out there is that people are trying so hard to be this ideal vision of what they think is lovable. Yeah, or or worthy. I mean, this is real. Yeah. That they pull in and go, I can't give anymore. And I don't want to put myself out there for judgment. I don't want to put myself out there to people need so much for me. And I have to take care of these people. I'm tired and exhausted. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people mistype whether they are introverted or extroverted. And honestly, does it really matter? Mm -mm. No, it doesn't. Yeah. But it does help. Yeah. It doesn't matter, but it does help when you understand it a little bit better. Cause I used to think I was introverted as well. And that's the same things I told them. It's like, I 
I would say things like, I hate people. I, I don't want to be around people. And it wasn't that at all. It was that I was overwhelmed and embarrassed and I was struggling and I didn't like myself. And <laughs> so. you also felt like everybody, you were probably always trying to meet people's needs or do things for them to show them how much you cared about them. And it was depleting what yeah. you were doing for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you guys want insight into what it's like to be a mom as a two, people need you all the time. And then as a two, I was super unhealthy because I was like, there can't possibly be anybody else who can do anything for my kids because it's just me. And it was really bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's good mm -hmm. now. Um, but I can kind of look back and be like, okay, like that's why I was the way that I was. And I can be like, that, that's okay. Like, that's okay. I did what I had to do. I was just trying yeah. to survive. Um, but yeah, once you figure out your type guys, I'll put when I, when I air this episode, guys, I'll put all the links in there for you. Um, but when you figure out your type, just be open to being any type. Okay. I think sometimes we think that we have to fall exactly into one category. And like Raylene said, you're going to relate to, to basically all of them because mm -hmm. the goal is to be able to integrate. I like how she called it a map. Once you dive in, you'll understand, but integrate into these different paths and kind of take mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know how else to say it other than I, like I would love cherry to, pick. <laughs> you know what it is, is Helen Palmer describes it beautifully that as we integrate and, and heal ourselves too, we really heal our trauma. We start addressing it, which you will do with this naturally. You will start to look at why and what was going on as a kid and what, you know, how you felt about what was happening. And you could have two siblings in the exact same environment, but because of their natural inclination towards perceiving um, and what they, what their, their proclivities of what they give into this world, um, they'll totally have different trauma, <laughs> um, yeah. responses. So yeah. it, from the same situation. So how Enneagram works is true integration all the way in this world. And this is not even through Enneagram. It, it, it's just a way to describe integration in the, in life that when we, it's about having the appropriate reactions and emotional responses to the situation at hand. Mm -hmm. So sometimes in life, uh, feeling a fear and saving the day as a, is what, as a sixth thing, but, but there is a place in life where you're going to be doing that. There is a situation where you should be doing that. And there is a situation where you should pull back and observe what's going on without <clears throat> with, and, um, calculate and think about and ponder these ideas. And that's a five thing. And there is times where you have to be getting out in front and leading the charge as a, um, as the face or as an envoy. And that's going to be a three. Mm -hmm. And there is times where you're going to have to caretake and mother and, and nurture. And that's a two. And there's times where you have to know what right and wrong is and do the right thing. Um, and hold the line on that boundary. And that, that's going to look like a one. And sometimes there's a, there is a space for a fiery sort of justice. And thank goodness for us eights, because we'll do that. Yeah. And, you know, and, and the rest of the numbers, and the seven and the nine, and there's seven is that optimist. We need those optimists that want to help make plans mm -hmm. and to lead the charge and adventure and to keep it fun. And these nines, these beautiful nines in our lives that are these peacemakers and soft, they can take your big ideas and they can take as you as big as you are and and they will find empathy for whatever you're going through be able to see all sides and help everyone feel understood and and all the numbers are important and fours are artists right yeah. yep fours are like walking art in motion they are experiencing it all yeah. um so i think that they are uh, quite uh beautiful to behold 
Yes, they are. I know. And I can kind of like, you can kind of stereotype. And I know like a lot of my friends and I can see, hopefully when you're listening to this too, you're kind of like getting your wheels spinning and it and excites you and makes you want to go out and figure out your type because it is enticing at first to be like, oh, which one am I? Like, am I? Am first, I it's all about uh, absolving yourself from all your behaviors in the very beginning. You're kind of like, yeah. oh, shoot. Okay. This is why I do this. Oh, okay. And it, and it feels good and you should do that. But then it's about fixing it. And there's, yeah. there's and all the keys to fixing that. It what what is the two? What's the the growth point for two? Like what is the point for me? It's leading into my or leaning into my vulnerability makes me stronger. So yeah. what what's yours? Boundaries, putting yeah. up boundaries is the thing that I had to really learn. <laughs> and <laughs> I, yeah, boundaries and being vulnerable and kind of letting go of like shame and what other people are going to think of me is a really big one as a two kind of yes yes yeah so allowing yourself allowing yourself to have your feelings like everybody else's yes and allow and and taking care of you and letting others take care of you because you deserve it just like everybody else oh krista you're so wonderful oh thank you well i'm holding the baby and it's so hard as it like as a mom because I can, I can still like sometimes see myself like falling into the, like, I need to do it for them and I don't need to do it for them. And, uh, oops, hang on. I got to plug in my computer. Apparently I didn't plug it in. Um, and I don't want to hold on everybody. I don't want to lose my chargers upstairs. I went to go get it. I really like this real life feel. Yeah. Podcast. <laughs> I really enjoy it. Um, I, I like that you are embracing your authenticity and giving yourself space for that. And then in turn, helping teach other moms to give themselves space to just exist because this is life. This is what yeah. happens. And just, just being okay with it. Kind of be more like the water, you know? Yes. Raylene's speaking to my two. She's speaking mm-hmm. to my two. <laughs> I do know how to edit little things like this out now. So that's nice. Um, okay. So we were having a conversation the other day in one of the groups about like my husband and I, because I used to feel like as a two, I needed to jump in and like do things for him and help him and fix things for him. And he's an eight, first of all, he doesn't want that, <laughs> but also he can do it all himself, of course. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. He doesn't actually want that. Sometimes he actually really does though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he really does. Me too. But he doesn't want it in that clingy, needy, like pushy way that I would try to do it. Ooh, ooh. Yes. Was he, was, this is for me, um, when I feel that there will be a debt incurred, <laughs> um, when I feel that if I let someone do this for me, then they're going to think, look at everything I do for you. And they're going to secretly use it against me in their brain. So do you think your husband, that's why I don't like letting people do things for me because I don't want to be in debt. Is that what was going on? Um, I think that's part of it. And I think it was exasperated because as a two, that's one of the things that I can kind of fall into is like wanting to help people, but doing it so that they would be like, wow, look at how helpful she is for me. And I need her. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So codependent, right? 
yeah, and it doesn't, it did not feel good. We're in a good place now, but mm -hmm. even, you know, what happened with like little things of him being like, hey, can you take out the trash? For, he would never ask me to take out the trash, guys. I just, this is an example, but he would be like, hey, can you take out the trash? And I'd be like, sure, great, I'll do it as soon as I can. And he would jump in two seconds later and do it. Yeah. And I would feel like I was a failure and totally let him down because I didn't get it done fast enough. Or I didn't help him yeah. well enough and he didn't need me. So I was- And, like, and he was being probably just as big of a stinker as you felt like you were being in that situation because a lot, so I always laugh about men and, and don't take me too seriously guys. Cause everybody has their role and you can do whatever you want to do. And I'm sure you do. Okay. But, um, I always laugh because there was a, somebody was talking about women starting fights about practically nothing. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, sure, sure. I, I totally get that stereotype, but men are subversively also starting fights with those women and then they get to blame it on the women. Like they do this thing where they'll be withholding or act like they're upset, but they won't say it. Then you'll be like, are you mad? And they'll be like, no, but they're totally like, you yeah. can tell they're looking <laughs> they for are. something. And then women get all spun out because they're not getting honest feedback or communication from men. And then they start a fight about nothing or something that's very tangible and small because they're actually reading the room. They know that the guy is kind of like putting out these codependent lines um, and the women are picking them up. And so a lot of times the women melt down sooner and then the men go, Oh, those girls are crazy, but they know what they were doing. They do yes. it too. Yeah. 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 And just like saying little things like if these two hands don't do it, it doesn't get done. And I'd be like, okay, first of all, that's not fair. And right. <laughs> you're wrong. But yeah, just like little it's crazy how these like little things you can understand from like a bigger picture now mm -hmm. and realize that you can kind of see it for what it is. And it's Absolutely. really not that big of a deal. Right. Um, right. And now we're at the point now with my husband and I, where I can actually say like, he'll, I call them ninja stars. You know, when you leave the room, you, you're like, okay, this is, we're in an impasse. We'll talk about this later. And then you go to leave the room and then somebody will yell a thing or say it un a loudly like, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. You know, like what's yeah. the point of that? So now I'll just kind of laugh and like look in the room and I'm like, are we still doing this? Are yeah. we still in the conversation? Or are we not? Right? Like which one is it? And he, now he doesn't get defensive. He kind of laughs and goes, okay, you're right. I'm sorry. And you know, it's kind of yeah. cool that we can really put it down. Yeah. Yeah. We're to that point too now where we can't, we can, we can, I always say that like, it's fine to laugh about things unless you're trying not to cry about them. <laughs> yeah. But we're to the point now where we can actually, we can actually laugh about it. And it's not like us being facetious or like, I'll, I'll, I'll revisit this later and then. Break yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's quotes about Buddha and there's quotes from Jesus and, um, and there are a lot of these philosophies out there that talk about getting to the point where you can just laugh. Yeah. Um, just laugh at the way our egos will try to grab stuff and make it into a big ordeal. Um, I, I realized that I, my older two, I was way more authoritarian with parenting them. Um, it's what I was raised with. And I thought I was, I'm embarrassed to say it, but I'm going to totally lay it all out there. Yeah. The way I identified with how I raised my children, what my children did and how they looked and what they acted like, I was so over identified with my own ego that I was, I, I love my children and I did everything for them in so many ways. But the one thing I wish I would have done differently is realize that um, who they are is enough. 
and what they do does not reflect upon me. Mm-hmm. And if my daughter didn't want to go to school anymore uh, and, um, and go to college or she didn't get these grades a certain, it didn't reflect upon me and it doesn't, this is her life. And that I, it, our, the way we were dealing with her as a teenager, she was actually a really great kid. It was just school, it was public school and the pressure that comes with that. And it was extremely pressure, pressured. And I was a part of that because somehow I felt like if she got good grades then I was being a good mom and it, it to the point of ridiculousness. And it's, I feel so bad that I was partaking in something that isn't even real. Um, uh, especially if you're going to community college, your grades don't really even matter. Okay. And what was, and she got good enough grades and she was brilliant. She's a genius. So I don't know why it mattered that she had an A in math instead of a C. I don't know what I was thinking except for that it was coming. It was about me and our, the way us not getting along said way more about me as the mother than it ever did about her. And, um, I'm, I'm really trying to do it differently. Yeah with our younger kids. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you shared that because it's, I think everybody feels like that at some point. Mm -hmm. And if they're not, they're probably lying to themselves, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but we do feel that way. And, and nobody ever tells you that as a parent, you really do have to learn how to separate your own baggage from your kids. Especially the need to be, the need to be admired or liked or respected by others through your children. That is disgusting, honestly. And isn't half of our trauma because of parents doing that to us? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've kind of had a, we've kind of mentioned it in passing that our goal, and hopefully you guys can jump on board too, is to make it so that our kids don't have to relearn this stuff when they're older as much as we can. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And they're, they're, every kid is going to have their their trauma and it could it, 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 we could just lessen it right like they're they're all gonna have, everybody has their things that they're gonna work through no matter you could have the perfect childhood in so many ways and they're still gonna have a little messages that they have to discount and fix inside of themselves yeah um, that's yeah. it's the struggle that's a human struggle that's yeah. that's all of us but let's lessen it and um try and understand that kids are them they own themselves yeah they are are their own they are they are them they are not us and we should not treat them as if they are us. We have to respect them as the adults they are going to be and we are their guides. We're there to protect them. So yes, sometimes you're going to have to grab your kid even though they want to run in the street. Of course, that's our job to protect them. But when it comes down to if they want to wear their pants backwards, then maybe you should just let them. Like who cares? What are you trying to prove? Yeah. I don't know if you know my toddler. She's been wearing a baby shark costume since October She's only two, so, but I mean, even if she was 12, she yep. don't wear the baby shark costume. I really don't care. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Did you, okay, so Dorothy is um, my five-year-old. Yeah. Uh, it's, I am pretty sure she's an eight. I mean, she's so young that it's, we're just raising her how she needs to be raised, but uh, all the eight things um, are coming in handy with raising yeah. her because she's a firecracker. Um, yes. And she, she, one day she comes in and she's talking to me and she took all this hair and cut it like all at the top of her head. <laughs> and it was very short. Yeah. And I, it was a, not a proud moment for me because 
I'm teaching the kids that they own themselves. They own their bodies. They own their minds. They own their spirit. So it's for them to keep their spirit healthy and their body healthy and their mind healthy and, you know, that kind of stuff. And she, I looked at her and I go, did you cut your hair? And I totally turned into like 20 years ago, mother. I'm not even kidding. Um, it was weird. But I wouldn't say she broke a rule, but I was definitely trying to make her feel bad. I could feel that in me. Um, kind of watching myself doing it. Like, like I definitely want her to think, think twice, you know, what was yeah. I doing? And, and she's looking at me and um, like, she doesn't want to answer me because of the way I was approaching it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She didn't want to answer me. And so then I was like, what? So I, then I thought, oh, she knows she was wrong or doing something bad. And then she's trying to hide it from me. So I it got this weird, it was just a really beautiful lesson for myself that, um, that you got to root that stuff out, right? Like that's what I've been working on. So I, I'm like, I leave the room. I'm like, okay. And I leave, I calm down. And I'm like, well, that was terrible. Like I handled it completely wrong. And, uh, so, uh, like, you know, 15, 20 minutes later, I go find her and I said, can I talk to you? And she's like, yes. And I go, so I think that I was treating you really weirdly about you cutting your hair. And like, I was acting like you broke a rule and there's no rule. I thought there was a rule, but there's no rule. I never told you that you are not allowed to cut your own hair. So if I was treating you this way, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And she says to me, this is before she turned five. I think she was still four. She says, um, oh, I didn't think I broke a rule, mommy, because I own myself and this is my hair. So it was in my eyes and I just cut it. And I go, oh, and I go, how come you cleaned it up? And she goes, well, you told me I have to clean up my messes when I make them. So I put it in the garbage. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, my daughter's amazing. And I'm a jerk. And I said, yes, I am so sorry. You can do it. I go, now, if there's a certain hairstyle you want, maybe you should ask me and I could probably make it for you. She's been cutting her hair all week. Actually, that was like months ago. <laughs> she's been, keeps grabbing pieces and cutting it. And I go, oh, you just cut your hair. She goes, then she said, yep, um, I just thought it'd be better this way so it looks more even, is what she says. Yeah, it's just going to keep evening it up. Yeah, I said, I, I'm letting it go. I'm letting it go. And then my husband was talking to her. And he said, well, if you ever really want long hair, you should probably not cut it so it can mm -hmm. grow out. And then she goes, I already told myself that I'm not going to cut my hair anymore. So you don't need to tell me. I already told myself that. And he goes, okay. That sounds like an eight. You guys are like self-fueling, self reference all about yeah like I don't need anybody else to tell me I'll just tell myself <laughs> she handled it so um but yes I had to really let that go and it ended up being really cute and the cutest bangs I've ever seen I don't know how she did it it was a great lesson for me maybe she can do yours yeah <laughs> next time maybe um, you know what maybe actually that's an adventure you should yeah I dare you to okay <laughs> okay she's like I'll do it I'll do it I love that though, because it's such a, it's such a good example of like, cause I have those two, like kind of these out of, out of body, out of body experiences when I react to things in certain ways of like, okay, I really shouldn't be doing this, but I kind of can't stop myself <laughs> right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you can, you can go back and be like, that really wasn't a big deal. Like why? Yeah. It, and it's fine. And you give yourself some grace and you move on yeah. and then you tell your kids that too, cause they're so forgiving. I include them every time. Yeah every time with what I should have done differently and why I don't like what I did. And it's actually starting, I, my kids are also telling me when they're wrong and they're talking about it and they're getting through these difficult conversations with accountability. And then uh, 
So because I'm sharing how easy it is to say I was wrong and that I'm sorry, and then try to make restitution, that's part of my anarchist thing. And, and yeah. um, when you commit an act of aggression, even without, without meaning to, you can provide restitution. You, you make them whole again. Um, and a lot of times that's just words. That's just a promise that you're going to be mindful of it in the future. Um, and everybody needs that. If you give people total accountability and then make agreements about, about what the future is going to look like together, um, it's a very trusting relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I was in a prison and, and for, for many years and I didn't even know it. I just was trying to survive every day. And I've never been more free now. I'm more myself and I'm so literally happy no matter what's happening to me or what's going on. I, I, I get it now. I yeah. love that. I think that's, that's the whole point. Like when I tell you guys that I'm an anarchist at heart, I know a lot of people are like, that's crazy. But this is really what I mean. You can get to a point where it doesn't matter what's going on around you. You've got such self, it's beyond control. It's, it's free will. Yeah. So um, yeah. I always kind of say um, self-interest motivates because every single person self-interest motivates, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, that is called human action. Yeah. Uh, there's an axiom involved in Austrian economics. Austrian economics are really fun to read about. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's actually a social science. So it's not a bunch of graphs with numbers, mm-hmm. but reading about Austrian economics, um, especially if you can find something that's uh, uh, easy with videos so they can actually break it down the ideas it's all about human action and um so self-interest motivates community facilitates and that's our social interactions that they're so important that's what we're all talking about right now and um and then free will reigns so no matter what no matter any situation there's always a choice made every interaction instead of reacting when we react we're making a choice we're just a knee-jerk choice Mm -hmm. Um, so being able to kind of matrix style, slow down time (laughs) and stop your reaction, hear what's happening when you feel that guttural punch to react and and with other people where it's going to be negative, this is where you can watch your inner voice saying, making offense and trying to make you fight. And you got to kind of put, you know, kind of listen to that and choose, am I going to fight right now? Or am I going to ask more questions and try to work this out? Yes, yes, Mm -hmm. yes. I love that. And you said it, you said it perfectly. Thanks. I love it. I love it. And it's, I think it really is one of the most empowering things that you can do for yourself, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, you guys, I know this podcast is largely about decluttering, but under the surface, this is decluttering. Yeah, exactly. It's, mm-hmm. it's soulful decluttering. And it really is the whole entire point that I want for you guys. Like I, and I tell you guys this all the time too. It's so much more than a, a having a clean or organized house. Like that's not the point. The point is to be able to enjoy your life and feel good about it and feel confident and empowered and mm-hmm. honestly free. Yeah. It started for me with uh, Eckhart Tolle's power of now. Um, so my, my 11 year old daughter, uh, she had a lot of, she had a surprise, very undetectable heart condition and she was suffering from like a month long heart attack. Um, that that nobody knew about and it looked like a viral infection it was a, a big deal so she um she actually died and was brought back over an hour later um it, it was crazy so that time was really hard it was um i really like had a lot of disassociation and i had to be just keeping her alive was the only goal and so i was kind of like um um in another dimension 
doing work to keep her alive. And it sounds crazy, but every mental, every part of my every being was, was to, to follow what I felt like God was telling me to do. Mm-hmm. And um, Adelie's alive, and she. They said she would never live till three, and that she would be a vegetable, and that she would never eat. And um, and she's amazing. Uh, and we're homeschooling her. She's she's beautiful. She's so cool. So um, at a miracle. But but when we got home, it was so hard. We had around thirteen different meds every twenty to thirty minutes. Feeding tubes. Pulling. I mean, we were. And then I had other kids, and then I had this house to clean, and all these ideas that I believed created my value, which is having a perfect home and perfect family time and perfect, all these things were no longer possible. And it was breaking me in half. I was falling apart. And I had this moment where I looked out my window and I'm trying to, you know, not being able to do anything. And I'm doing these dishes. And I looked out at my driveway and has a long easement and it's sunny out. I remember going, I could just run away. That's not like me. You know, you think about an eight, that is not like an eight at all. I was completely falling apart. And because I could not do life and think the way I thought before. I had to let those things go about not being good enough um, and trying to still be all those things to all those people that wanted to hang out all the time. I can't, I can't. So I was searching and freaking out. I didn't know. I'm like, what is going on with me? What can I do? And I found Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And now this book is very foo-foo-y, right? (laughs) When you're reading it. Um, But if you need to hear it, 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 you get in the zone and it makes sense. And it's all about understanding how we react and how we perceive other people judging us is really about them. Yeah. It literally is with us. (laughs) It's only about them and to make themselves feel better because they hate themselves somewhere over here, you know? And so we're, we're so social that we take all of those things and really believe that what these people think creates our value in any way and it it doesn't um they're not those people weren't at my house doing what I was doing those people didn't understand what I was going through those people didn't understand that there's no way I could bring my immunocompromised child around their house And, and then every time she was getting sick and it was like a life scare and then they were mad at us for not wanting to hang out with them and I cared about that are you serious yeah yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy to look back on things and be like, wow, <laughs> why yeah. didn't I know this back then? Yeah, and I just needed to, to advocate for myself. So um, yeah. Power of Now really helped me. And then I were so that with, and then finding the Enneagram to use that ego work with understanding how people think. Mm-hmm. Um, whoa. Yeah. What a combo. Yeah. Also, is. he wrote A New Earth for some people that don't like Power of Now. They really like A New Earth. A New Earth? I haven't heard, I've heard of Power of Now, but I haven't heard of New Earth. Mm-hmm. I want to look that. That yeah. one calls to me. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I think you would like the second one. Uh, people who are systematic thinkers yeah. tend to like power of now. Yeah. Um, and that's what I needed in the moment. But a new earth is more your speed, I think. Yeah, prob- probably. I think that one, that one sounds good. I think it's interesting too, because I can read those kinds of things. What you were saying about like, why did I care about like what those people were thinking? Like all of whatever they were saying was a reflection of them. I can see that stuff now when I'm talking to my kids. Like when I have those reactions, I'm like, this has nothing to do with my kid. This is hundred percent me. And I need to check myself before. And they always look at you like, why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. And you're like, oh, and then are you really going to say, because I said so? I mean, like our parents did. Are you in that moment? You're like, as a kid for me, 
I just wanted to understand when something didn't make sense. I just wanted it explained to me. Yeah. I would give my agreement if it made sense logically. That's because I was a good kid. I love my parents. I respected them, but I needed the answers. I needed things to make sense. And um, the hardest thing for me as a kid is rules that didn't make sense and that nobody would explain to me. Yeah. Um, Arbitrary rules are messed up. So I don't, I'm really trying not to make those for the kids now. Yeah. And you can, I think we can all understand too why, because that's really, that's so disempowering to be like, have somebody tell you, you can't do this or you have to do this. Nobody's telling you why. Of course. And if they do, and it's like, because then you'll, your socks don't match because people will think your socks don't match. Well, why? (laughs) And, and here again, here's another great moment of seeing that when you take your values and things should make sense, right? And they own themselves and other people don't create their value and their opinions don't create their value. So is there a protection? Otherwise, if you're protecting your kid by, you know, like if you, if you're protecting your kid and you don't want them to wear shorts in the snow and it's because you're protecting your children from CPS or the nosing neighbors or just the frostbite. Yes. That's a good reason not to, but if, and you can explain all those things to your kids yeah, and then they'll understand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So just apply the principles all the way across consistently. And then you'll know if you should have those rules. Yeah. And that's something that I do with myself too. Cause my husband, he, that's his pet peeve too, is like, why? Even at work, <laughs> even at work, he's like, his Hot. boss is telling things. He's like, why? Hot. You didn't give me a reason why? I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if yeah. I can't come up with a reason why, I changed my mind. Like you said, with your daughter's hair. Why can't she cut her hair? Yeah. She can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can. It's fine. What was I afraid of? That she's going to be bald? You know what it is? Actually, it was less about other people. This is cool because this is the growth in me. I But I still reacted this way. I kind of get... um that I act the same way uh, as a knee jerk because I'm afraid of my kids making mistakes that they're going to regret. And I want to protect them. It comes from a beautiful place in my heart that I get like that. But also what message am I giving my child? Yeah. If they're getting in trouble and I'm shaming them or making them feel guilty or that they did something wrong when really I'm just trying to protect them. I mean, that comes from a loving place, but I shouldn't make them feel bad about that. So it's all about kind of like saying, Hey, I'm here for you. If you, you know, if you do this, you might not like it and I want you to have what you want, but I can't make your hair grow faster. So um, I can't, I literally, I can't make your hair grow faster. I've had to tell my daughter that before when she cut her hair. Yeah. I can't fix this for you. (laughs) But she learned it, right? Yeah. I think so. It's been a lot of years. So I hope she she did. I hope. And then if she wants to do it again later, it's because she, she knows this time it will take a long time. Yeah. It will grow back. Yes, it will. Well, this was a super good conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that we got to do it. I hope that everyone gets a whole lot of value out of this because it's it's an honest conversation. It's behind the scenes, it's lots of really great resources and insights. First of all, I'll let you know you're not alone if you've done any of the things that we've talked about or felt the way that we've talked about or had mm-hmm. these kinds of reactions or not understood yourself as a mother or in a relationship or yourself at all, to be honest. Um, We'll put a whole bunch of great resources for you guys in the link um, or in the show notes, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) And everyone on Facebook, I will see you guys later. I'm going to hang up now. And thanks so much for doing this. This is so fun. And if you ever want to do it um, about something else more specifically another time, let me know um, if you need a guest, like if you're in between guests and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely will. Um, 
maybe like, yeah, I know we were going to talk like homeschooling and whatever, but this was way better. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's all about that liberation. All these people that are listening to your podcast. Hey friend, did you love this episode? If you did, I would love if you took a screenshot of it and shared it with somebody else. Okay. The whole point of this is to create a community of moms who get each other, who support each other, and who, when they find something that helps them, they share it with somebody. So I would love if you shared this podcast with somebody with maybe just a little note about how it helped you or how it inspired you so that it can help somebody else. I would also love it if you left me a review. Leaving a review lets me get better stats on the internet and blah, blah, blah. Basically, it helps me help more moms like you. I would so appreciate it. If you hated this episode, I'm sorry, but I'm also kind of impressed that you listened to it all and you're still listening. So still leave me a review, still share it <laughs> because I'm sure somebody can benefit from it. I'll see you guys on the next episode. Hey, before you go, I have a question to ask you. Would you please leave me a five-star review if you are listening on iTunes? It helps me grow my show and reach more moms like you who are wanting to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist. If you love the show, I would love it if you shared something specific that you find valuable or helpful or that you just enjoy about listening to this show. It would mean the world to me if you took time out of your day to do that. And while you're at it, Head over to motherhoodsimplified.com to listen to more podcast episodes or check out our Facebook group, Instagram, just to connect on social media. If you love these episodes and if you love this show, please tag me. I love to connect with you over there. Podcasts are kind of like a one-way conversation where I feel like I'm talking to you and with you. But when you tag me on social media, I feel like we can take that one step further and actually connect with each other, which is the whole point of me starting this podcast and community in the first place is to be able to connect with moms like you who are wanting to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist. So tag me in your Instagram stories. I'm motherhood underscore simplified. Check out the motherhood simplified Facebook group or head over to the site and just find even more blogs, podcasts, decluttering courses to help you continue on your decluttering journey. Thanks so much. And I'll talk to you soon.